This podcast contains information, theories, and speculation based on the A Song of Ice and Fire novels by George R.R. R. Martin. It can and will spoil future episodes of the HBO television series Game of Thrones. This is your one and only spoiler warning. If you're looking for our non-spoiler podcast in Game of Thrones, please look in our feed archives for our Sunday night instant take and Tuesday afternoon full podcasts, or go to baldmove.com for our entire catalog. everybody welcome to the spoiler edition for the uh, game of thrones baldmove.com coverage uh, officially unofficial all that stuff uh this is uh for 610 the winds of winter which is uh uh you know little uh, little uh, lemon juice on the paper cut that is uh, the title of the episode is the book that we're all well not all of us but all, everybody most people listening to this uh, podcast have been waiting for um this is probably the last standalone spoiler edition we'll do we might have a little okay. spoiler edition at the tail end of next week but i'm not too worried because uh we'll probably continue to do spoiler sections when we do the season one rewatch mm-hmm. so if, if you're not familiar with the rest the way the rest of our podcasts work uh most of the time we just do a straight up episode review and discussion uh and then we have like a brief musical interlude and then we do a spoiler section afterwards so we'll probably continue to do that and if they're you know the nature of the spoiler section is kind of timeless. Mm-hmm. So if there's any hot takes that come out or something like that, we can discuss it. Uh, one thing I want to discuss is, as my is my want, a lot of times I discuss at the end of the season wrap-up differences between the books and the show. This year, much like last year, it's substantially different. And I don't... I, I started jotting things down... <clears throat> And I, I, I'm not sure exactly how to do it. For example, let's take in this episode alone. Uh, Grandmaster Pycelle is killed by Varys, mm. who has returned nope. uh, from across the sea. Ky- oh, Kyber? I know. But he's killed oh, in the Oh, in the books. books, he's killed by Varys. Okay. Uh, and what happens is actually Kevin Lannister comes into the, his chambers of the hand and notices that Grandmaster Pycelle has got his face in a book, which he assumes he's just fallen asleep. But he notices he's dead, and he gets a crossbow right in the chest. And ah. Varys essentially set, gives him the same speech that that Kyburn does to my Grand Maester Pycelle. Hmm. Now you think like, okay, well that's not that big a deal, but you know, it's Varys doing it. Varys is not down talking to Dorne. Varys, uh, I mean that that's that's a pretty big change, and yeah. with results that I'm not for, and and all the. Uh, Varys accompanied with all of his little birds, which implies that the little birds are still loyal to him. Right. I mean, that's pretty big. Yeah. Now that's a question. Who are they loyal to? Right. Um, and we got some feedback that we'll consider about maybe Kyburn and Varys working together somehow um, because of some of this stuff. Also in Dorne, uh, Prince Dorne's still alive. Uh, he's giving the fire and blood speech that... that uh, uh, Varys gives, um, mm-hmm. and not the Lady Olena. He's giving that to his daughter, who is upset that he's dragging his feet and doesn't seem like he is caring about vengeance or justice or any of those things. And he's like, no, 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 daughter. I've got this plan. We've got a secret alliance with the Targaryens, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so that's, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know that that's a major change so much as that's the end result of a remix that has 
carried us far beyond kind of the book plot because you know a lot of people assume that uh you know in the books there's a pretend there's a pretend or perhaps legitimate uh Targaryen Aegon who is claiming to be um Rhaegar's uh son instead of being murdered by the mountains people say that uh, they switch a route on the babies he was smuggled over to Essos and uh, raised by this Targaryen loyalist named John Connington, who, by the way, is the one who sailed up the river with Tyrion, who is the one who got infected with Grayscale. None of that happened on Jorah. The only one who can defeat Skynet? Sure. Yeah, John <laughs> Connington. You got to watch him. Uh, the machine's terrified of him. Uh, that's hugely different. Um in the books, uh, this Quentin guy uh, tries to free the dragons and gets burnt to a crisp. In the show, Tyrion frees the dragons and doesn't get burnt to a crisp. But you'll right. recall that I was kind of shitting bricks about, you know, him maybe getting the Quentin treatment. Yeah. Um, in the books, Cersei is just now getting introduced to the mountain, the resurrected mountain, and is, you know, looking forward to her trial by combat. She is not set the sept of Baylor on fire. Uh, although she does bor- burn the tower of the hand hmm. after her father dies, she has that burnt to the ground just for kind of pet- petty spite reasons. Um, and she certainly is not made queen. Uh, obviously in the books, John is not resurrected yet. He's still bleeding out, laying uh-huh. dead on the, the floor. Um, but also Stannis is still alive and he's still sieging Winterfell. Uh, that battle has yet to take place. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, in the books, Brienne is sent on a mission by Lady Stoneheart to bring Jamie Lannister to her. And she meets up with Jamie and says that she's got to show him something essentially behind, you know, and, and they go riding off together. Um, you know, that's that's a Arya. pretty, pretty big change. In the books, Arya is just. I think is she's still blinded, um, but she has huh. yet to begin, you know, uh, further training. None of the scenes where, like, she kills the the old Kingsguard is there. Um, obviously, none of the stuff. There is a, a, a pre-release chapter from Winds of Winter called, uh, with her point of view, called Mercy, where she kind of does something like that. Okay. But her end game is nowhere to be found. In the books, you've got Euron Greyjoy, who becomes the king of the Iron Island, and he sends his brother Victarion over to send a marriage proposal to Danny. And the cornerstone of it is this dragon horn that he claims that he has gotten in his travels, and that it's uh, it's called Dragon Binder, and it can mystically control dragons. Um, obviously, and Theon is still a, a prisoner. Uh, he's actually escaped hmm. with fake Arya, a girl named Jean Poole, who is pretending that, that the Boltons have tried to pass off as Arya to legitimize Ramsay's claim. Uh-huh. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's A this, lot of changes, yeah. A lot of changes. Um, and does that mean that the Dragonbinder is just bullshit? If so, why do we have Euron... I mean, why not just make... If the Euron thing is complete bullshit, why not just make uh, Yara win the Queen's moot, or the King's moot? Right. And then make her own damn treaty with Daenerys. Like, I'm. That's the one part I'm really struggling with. If, if the horn is not a, a thing, and and those, I've I've had some people write in and say, well, that there's no evidence that this the horn's not a thing. Okay, 
But there's no evidence to say it is either. Well, plus, just narrative as narrative sense, why wouldn't he mention that in his election speech? Right. Like, I'm going to get the queen with her dragon, with her dragons and my big cock and my big horn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, why, like, what's it going to look like if next season they have a naval battle or whatever and Danny starts to deploy her dragons and he just whips out a horn that we've never heard of mm-hmm. and blows it and now the dragons are either repelled or they're subservient to him. Like, that's going to seem like it came out of nowhere. And I'm trying to think of how could they have a scene where he introduces the dragon horn to his inner circle again. Why wouldn't he just make that part of his campaign speech? Sure. Like, you know, if you've got a Star Wars program, you're going to be talking about it in your campaign yeah. speeches. Right. Um, so... It the you know the way the way things have ended up here at the end of season six feels a lot like what I think they're going to be like where events are going to be towards the end of or the middle of the winds of winter, but man, it's hard to say because Sans is still with Littlefinger. Um, they have been traveling from uh, the Vale to um, I, f- I forget where they're on en route to. But she's, you know, obviously going back and retaking Winterfell and all that stuff is not on her radar, and she's not met up with John, and obviously wasn't a captive of Ramsay. Um, it's some of these things a little bit harder to see where they're remixing from. Like and Bruce I, is 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 he still around? Bruce is still alive. Yep. Okay. Yep. Also, there's the the fra- the the pie that had the phrase baked into it right. was something that Lord Manderly, which was introduced this last episode, did mm-hmm. um, as part of his you know this Grand Northern conspiracy. The North remembers, which really hasn't been touched on. Yeah. At all. I mean, th- then there's the Hound. Like the Hound is Should the Hound is, is still maybe I mean, still they, around. They introduced in the book? him as like you know in this monastic order, but they never mentioned him by name, and it's all just kind of a hint and. Mm-hmm. You know, which is why Clegane Bowl became such a thing. But right. I, I don't know how you unpack all that stuff into an interesting way for the show watchers. Is it is it exercise in futility? Because I could flesh these ideas out and come out of an outline and present them over the course of forty forty five minutes, but. Mm-hmm. To what end? Because right, because the dra- I can't talk about Dragonbinder because if that does come around, it's a massive spoiler. Sure, and and that sure. you know, th- but that's one of the things where like I would like to say that I think Dragonbinder's bullshit, uh, and it's not going to be a relevant part of the plot because if it was, and there again, I'm going through this kind of good faith assumption that the double D's are trying to faithfully adapt their work. Did you see any the behind the scenes coverage? The like the uh, inside the thrones or behind the I thrones. Saw, I saw or... a little bit of it, yeah. So the way that Dan and David were talking about this made it seem like Cersei burning the Great Sept and the way this all goes down was an original creation by them. Like at this point, uh, with the things that she has available to her mm-hmm. and knowing kind of the loose end game and her personality, this is the plan we think she would do. That was a little shocking to me, the idea that they would wing something that big and not have, like, a giant bullet point that says, you know, Cersei somehow... Um, right. And maybe, maybe that's a bullet point. Cersei somehow cows Kills King's everyone. Landing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or just, <laughs> like, brings it under her heel. Um, right. But, yeah, I I, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I, I can think of a way to do it, but I just don't know 
last the previous seasons have been much much more minor changes of course yeah and um and and you know it's also compounded well, it feels... by the fact that we're beyond the book so some of the stuff like i don't even know yeah. their differences it's just yeah, right like right. Sh- sh- burning shireen uh baratheon is seems like it'd be a pretty big deviation from the book and yet martin i think is owning that um you know obviously the circumstances have to be different because shireen's still at castle black and she didn't march with her father uh i i I don't know do you think what do you think we should do as far as trying to outline the differences in book or show do you think we just in this podcast or no no in the in the full podcast in the ones that the spoiler people are not uh, that are not spoilery. Do you think there's any value when it's that big a difference? I don't know. See, like a lot of the times um, in previous seasons, it seems to me like it's been changes by omission. Like, oh, this thing didn't happen exactly how it happened in the books, or, and they haven't gotten into it or yet. This, and this now this plot that was carried out by three different people. We're going to streamline and make it one person. Right, right. But but now that like some of those things that they just omitted are kind of coming back around in weird ways, yeah. in different ways. Like you said, with this Dragonhorn, you just don't know if it's even going to be a spoiler. Right. So how do you talk about it in a non-spoiler podcast without people getting up in arms? I don't think you can. Right. I, I think stuff like that where it has not been mentioned in the show yet. Yeah. Uh, but it has been mentioned in the books. Well, maybe you omit from it stuff that has been mentioned in the show um, and is starting to get resolutions you can talk about. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only way to do it. Otherwise, you're at risk of giving spoilers. The other big difference is in the books, Jamie is completely over Cersei. You know, he's learned of her many indiscretions and infidelities, and he's learned that she never loved him the way he loved her. At least that's his evidence. And he he rejects her because she sends a last-minute plea uh, before she gets the mountain to him to come save her because she's in trouble. And he completely dismisses it and doesn't really give a fuck. Um, also the blackfish survives in the book. He's able to swim out from under the portcullis and uh, huh. live to fight another day. Um, the other big change is lady Stoneheart is pulling the strings of the brother without banners. And right. they, a lot of people think that they're setting up a red wedding too, that is going to, um, in the deaths of the phrase, um, Oh, whereas that's already happened in this. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean that's like it's like the, it seems like the Grand Northern conspiracy has been, which I think is a thing. There's too mm-hmm. much evidence suggesting it um, is just been boiled down to Lady Mormont giving a good speech and Arya slitting Walter Frey's throat. Yeah, seems like it. Uh, I, I think with the Jamie stuff, we maybe give it until early next season to see how uh, Cersei's actions shake out in their relationship. Yeah, because if you start talking about oh, in the books, you know, like you might see the beginnings here of what happened yeah. in the books, which is Jamie it's hating Cersei, coloring people's expectations, right? And I feel like they might they might be starting that, but then again, they might not be. You yeah. know, it, it's not a given thing yet, so we can't really go into that. Uh, Lady Stoneheart, I still think, is completely off the table for spoil- non spoiler stuff. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I, I think she's kind of off the table as far as existence in the show. If anything, <laughs> I'm trying to think like yeah. where. So Brienne and Pod are rowing, presumably north to rejoin her lady. Yeah. And it seems that maybe Arya could join up with the band of Brotherhood and be their Lady Stoneheart, like a plus version of Lady Stoneheart, one that can speak and transform faces. Yeah. Um, could she take on the face of Catelyn? Could she? 
that would be interesting. Like I don't know. I'd like, because, you know, damn it, we just don't know enough about the Faceless Man's magic. Right. That's one of my laments for the previous episodes, is we never learned... You know, I, I it's like, it's kind of prophetic. We said, we don't know enough about the way the Faceless Men's face magic works to definitively say what you need, and if Arya can make her own faces, or if Arya has to steal a face from the wall. We just don't know about all that process. But mm-hmm. we wouldn't be surprised if she does use a face, and we'll just have to roll with it. And by God, that's exactly what. She shows up with a face we've never seen before. Did she arrive right. early and murder? It gives a us no girl? more information, right? <laughs> no, like we just we just accept the fact that she got a face somehow. Maybe she took it across the narrow sea. Maybe yeah. she showed up early and murdered a fray girl, right? Um, or maybe she just conjured out of thin fucking air. You don't know. You know that there are real faces involved in some aspects of it, mm-hmm. um, or else why are they curing all these faces and flaying them off of dead dead people? But. I have no fucking clue how that stuff works in any kind of physical or metaphysical sense. Uh, the other big thing... Oh, one thing um, a lot of people wrote in and re- and said that Kyburn is definitely wearing the hand of the queen. Thing. Yeah, I saw a few of those. Yeah, so we uh, definitely were just, just didn't notice that. Um, yeah. Arthur L., touches on another big, like, the the only really unresolved plot from the books that has yet to be unveiled. Uh, and he says, in instant take, you briefly referenced a few pages of books that we haven't seen on the show yet, uh, i.e. the mysteries in Old Town and at the Citadel. We'd love to hear you guys go into more info on that. In A Feast for Crows, Archmaester Marwyn at the Citadel tells Sam, who do you think killed all the dragons the last time around? Gallant dragon slayers armed with swords? The world the Citadel is building has no place for it in secrets for secrecy or prophecy or sorcery or prophecy, much less for dragons. It sounds to me like the Maesters have tools or weapons that threaten Daenerys's dragons when she arrives. Hmm. Is there a secret Maester movement controlling events from the shadows? Will we see one or more dragons go down at the hands of the Maesters in the next season? Does their worldview mean for now that or, or for what does the world mean? What does their worldview mean for how they'll respond to the White Walkers? I thought the dragons were killed by neglect, essentially. Well, and so captive captivation. But they also so that's that's one theory. That's like that the That's just a theory? Okay, I thought that was a fact. Well that the Targaryens just didn't care for their dragons the way so they So the Targaryens were, you know, what as they had more and more dragons and, you know, their family got larger and more successful, they started doing things like, you know, we need to roost for them. So they built like this massive enclosure to Dragon Dome and yeah. and, you know, enclosed them in there. Um and Tyrion's parroting the conventional wisdom that if you chain a dragon in captivity, they don't thrive as well. But that's a supposition. Another theory is that the Maesters have been working together to poison the dragons, which is why they progressively gotten more and more stunted and choked off. Or maybe the Maesters were telling the Targaryens, hey, you need to build a dragon pin and you need to keep them safe and secret and locked up right. because what if you know it's your big weapon and you need... Like, there's a lot of ways they could manipulate that and actively suppress the proper care and feeding of dragons so that, you know, it's like they could poison or by steering and influencing the Targaryens. Because that's one of the things. The maesters have an incredible amount of power because they have Mm -hmm. a voice in every lord's ear throughout the Seven Kingdoms. And not, I mean, right. like anyone that has a castle essentially has a maester that's just issued to them. Mm-hmm. And the grand maester, you know, obviously is advising the king himself and sits on the small council. So, 
what does this mean? And there's a lot of other stuff going on at Citadel, for example. Hold on, hold on. Before we leave that, yep. I wanted to ask you, what what is, I guess, which of those theories has the most supporting evidence? Are you aware of, like, I would say that the, the plain reading of the text suggests that the Targaryens neglected their dragons. If okay. you read between the lines and consider what this Maester Marwyn says, who is kind of a... Um, like a mad mage type of character, like he's all about the Valerian links, and is, you know he's all about studying okay. magic. He's and, a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, that... and there's like this. Um, so there's a lot of interesting things about the way you become a maester. Like you study, you 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 as soon as you're taken in, you're called an acolyte, and you study. And every time you master a discipline, you forge a link in this collar that you right. wear. And and after a sufficient number of those masteries are. Uh, developed, you get a, you you become a full uh, scale maester, and then are assigned to your duties. Mm-hmm. But before you do that, an acolyte has to spend like twenty four hours locked in a pitch black room with this thing called a glass candle. Okay, which there is some kind there are mad there's some kind of magical candle that that there's some sort of magic that that you can light them or that they will glow that has been lost to the maesters. Um, so essentially, you just sit with the, in this pitch black room with, unless you can manage to light it. I think this Maester Mar- Marwin might uh, the 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 when we fe- first meet him, he's sitting in front of a, a lit glass candle, um, and so there's like mm. all this like implies that he's got this mastery of this hocus pocus stuff. Um, also, there's a lot of evidence that I believe that he's the one that taught like the um, the witch that cursed Danny and Drogo. Like she she credits him for teaching her about medicine and witchcraft and all that stuff. So he's got. Some okay. practical, and as soon as he he's finds like out the dark arts, as soon as he finds out that there's dragons in the world, he's like takes off uh, to go find find them. He's like me in 1997, looking for the weirdest <laughs> shit on the internet I can find. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's on Snopes.com, and he's on uh, all, all those all those places. Something awful. Uh, Mark my words, Sam lights that candle. Probably Sam's the man. Sam and what is in. that? What is that? What do those glass candles actually do? Right, um, or are they just kind of a neat little magical bobble in the world? I don't know. They're like the training worlds for mat training wheels for magic. Okay. The other interesting thing about the Citadel is there's a lot of evidence that Jack and Hagar is hanging around there and he's assassinating people. Yeah. Uh, because the face that Arya sees when he fucks off at the end of the second, you know, after her adventures in Harrenhal. Which in the books, she uh, Tywin is replaced by Roose Bolton. She's serving Roose Bolton. In, in the show, of course, she serves Tywin. But the face that he takes is very similar to this character introduced as the alchemist who um, murders a, a, a young boy in the Citadel. So he's off doing something. Hmm. Also, uh, there's a very popular fan theory that the Sand Snake Sorella... Mm-hmm. is in the Citadel, and she's disguised as a boy acolyte named Aurelius, which is Sorella spelled backwards. And their uh-huh. physical descriptions match like what she would look like if she was going in drag. So is that what drag. the uh, little boy, you look like an angry little boy comment was about last well, ep- so that's this a, episode? Well, so that was Obara, not Right, Sorella. different, different yeah, girl, yeah. but, you but know, it could they be, mixed yeah, it, it could up. Be, and... It could be a, a wink. Right. Now, it could be that that's just another la- layer of unnecessary complication onto a plot, which surely is essentially the story of how Sam unlocks through his learning and scholarship right. the key to defeating the others. Or at least part of that key. Part of the key, He's yeah. The one, one piece of the Voltron that comes that's together, come and, together to stop the White Walkers, and and the, this other We're stuff assuming. is just uh, Martin intrigue layered on top of it. But 
um, you know, now that the Sand Snakes kind of have a purpose uh, in that they're, you know, fighting for Dorne or whatever, maybe we will see one of them. I, that's the other thing is, like, every time you've had the option to make someone be a, in a disguise and barring the faceless men who can just seamlessly wear a different face, um, in the books that happens a lot. There's a lot of characters going under disguise. In the show... Um, they've never, ever done that. Right, because it's more difficult. It's just hard to do. Like, you know, I speculated how maybe they could do the reveal of the Hound where he's just some tall dude digging a grave and he turns and faces the camera and you can see you know, he's maybe has a scarf over his face, but you can tell, like, that's the Hound. Mm-hmm. They don't even do that. It's yeah. like, nope, this is the fucking Hound. Let's not pussyfoot about it. So it'd be strange if they did do one of those, you know, dress-up games uh, and to what end. Yeah. But that's kind of the big thing. You know, what is Sam doing at the Citadel? Um, is Sam going to be able to have time to even become a maester by the, the time it is going to matter? Um, those are the things that are kind of like on the table of open questions going into the next season that are from the books. Mm-hmm. What's going on at the Horn? What's going on that, that Euron supposedly has? Does it exist? And what's going on at the Citadel and with uh, Sam's education? Yeah. So... It's time to pay the bills once again. Uh, primarily way the primary way we pay our bills is by our club at club.baldmove.com. Uh, it uh, is fairly inexpensive. It helps keep our lights on. It helps produce independent content. If you want three Game of Thrones podcasts and you want to keep them coming, uh, best way to do that is to go to club.baldmove.com and support us. You also get stuff in return. It's not just a give take. Or take, take, take. It's a give, too. You get ad-free feeds, VIP access to the forums, uh, special exclusive club member content. We do stuff every week that's just for the club members. Um, Special podcast performances and video podcast performances and fan interactions. Uh, Next week, Battles of Westeros, Jim Mm -hmm. versus Aaron. No holds barred. (laughs) All dice rolled. Uh, got that. Uh, you can also, if you don't want to sign up to any kind of monthly or yearly obligation, there's the Amazon link at amazon.baldmove.com. Follow that link. Anything you buy on that cart, we get a teeny tiny cut of. Uh, and as we mentioned in the main cast, we got House Snow. We know nothing. Uh, custom Bald Move t-shirt you can get in on as a pre-order. Uh, it's going to be four to six weeks in the making, but uh, we're printing that on premium t-shirts uh check uh, give give a look at our shop baldmove.com slash shop if you want to check that out another way to support us uh we try to make it easy we don't ask for much just a continued existence uh, <laughs> we, we we just want you know uh, to be the uh what would be a good example uh the jora you know okay we don't we don't we don't need to marry you we don't need to be your hand we don't need to be your maester we just want to wander the wilderness with our grayscale <laughs> Okay, I'd prefer to be the Dario. <laughs> the Dario? Like, yeah, I mean, maybe... Left the rule behind him. We're not that they, good. Come they've on. They've both been rebuffed, but one of them's dying, like, actively. <laughs> okay, fine. We'll be the Dario. We'll be we'll, okay, we'll be the good. Dario to your Dana- the, the Queen Daenerys. I feel good about that. Club.ballmove.com. Uh, let us get into some more feedback, then. We already considered Arthur's take on the Maesters and the Citadel... Uh, Kaylee E says, what if the three heads of the dragon theory is more metaphorical than we thought? Instead of having three literal dragon riders, it's representative of the three rulers of Westeros. Jon Snow as king of the north, Asha or Yara Greyjoy as the queen of the Iron Islands, and Daenerys Targaryen, queen of the south. The dragons being Westeros and the three heads being the three rulers. Then what about, what about the middle? What about the belt? The belt? Yeah, the peanuts. Well, the, I mean, the... traditionally the Iron Islands and the Riverlands are kind of one and the same. Oh, really? They're the same administrative district. Like all that King's Landing stuff, that would all fall under the Iron Islands? 
Uh, well, no, King's Landing would be um, so King's Landing on south would be Danny. You're the middle part, the belt you refer to is the Riverlands. What about Dorn? Dorn, she gets all Dorn, that? Dorn, yeah, she'd get Dorn. Of course she would. Jesus, that seems like a lot. She'd get for... the bottom half of for the fucking queen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like Yara's getting the shit into the stick here. Like, well, sure. You get this crappy set of islands, like and the Riverlands. The Riverlands are pretty vast holding, and and right. uh, and that's just historically that's how it worked. You know, the Iron Islands mm. controlled the Riverlands and ruled through Harrenhal until they. got... I guess my my big hang up is I don't see any reason to replace or get rid of uh, Alara down in Dorne. Yeah, because she doesn't hate Danny, and well, and Dorne is not is not part of you know sure. whatever kind of rebellion there might be against Danny. I well, wouldn't. Think. I think that's the interesting thing about what Tyrion and Danny were saying about like if people demand, you know, you let this person have their sovereignty, then what's stopping? Like, are you going to really? What are you going to be like the super queen of seven kingdoms now? Or, right. you know, because if you let them have their independence, then what the fuck? Now, why are the, when the Starks ask for theirs, are you going to deny it? When the Tyrells ask for theirs, are you going to deny it? Although the Tyrells seem like they're finished. More on that here in a bit. Uh, but the Martells certainly aren't. And like, well, well, but well the, the, the Sands, they have, they, I guess. They have bastard children. Right, right. With like, no one to legitimize Al- them. Alara's on the throne there, yeah. for what it's worth. Sure. Uh, and she's got Danny's backing. She's part of Danny's fleet. Like, why the fuck would Danny so, yeah. banish her from the south and yeah. take that part over? Yeah. I don't know that there would only be three heads, I guess. Unless you want to cut Yara out, which... Yeah. That doesn't seem likely that seems either. Another she way. just she, brought she, all she's the screwing ships to her. someone over no matter what she does. Cut John out. John, you're gone. <laughs> uh, Kaylee continues. It's not out of the question to have John be a dragon rider, as the Tower of Joy scene at the end mm-hmm. of last episode proved that he is a Targaryen, but I really can't see a third plaz- plausible dragon rider. I mean, it would be really amazing if it was Tyrion, but I feel like him being yeah. a secret Targaryen cheapens the relationship between him and Tywin, and personally, I don't go for that theory. I don't either. But I do think he's going to ride a dragon. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you have to be a Targaryen right. to ride a dragon. Just because Targaryens are associated with dragons, like, I mean, I don't know. The show maybe has left it open that there is some kind of special psychic connection between a Targaryen and their rider. But that seems mm. silly. It seems like anyone with sufficient, unless unless Tyrion's a secret Targaryen, because the dragon showed kind of that natural affinity for him too. Yeah. I don't know. I like the theory. I like I like um, Tyrion as a secret Targaryen. And if you've gone into the spoiler archive and heard the uh, Tyrion as a secret Targaryen, there's a surprising a lot of surprising amount of textual evidence for that uh, as well. Um, so I think at least in the show, the three heads of the dragon will be three rulers of Westeros. As cool as other people riding dragons would be, I think they blocked themselves from that by using giving Danny a connection to all three dragons because again, okay. she has so a telepathic connection. Yep. How would someone else ride them? The other thing that I don't know we've talked about this season is there is a pretty old theory about Bran being a dragon rider mm. because obviously he could warg into one of them. Right. Which would also, like, that's something that's a little bit in the show, uh, because uh, the 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 old uh, Saruman the Dingy version of the uh, th- Three-Eyed Raven told mm-hmm. Bran that he'd be able to fly by the time he completed his training. Yeah, no, I do remember we were questioning, you know, how intelligent are dragons, and can they be warged into, but, you know, are they more intelligent than humans? You There's can warg back in time that. into a fully functional uh, teenage human boy, so... Right. I think we that ju- dragons are surely no more uh, intelligent than Hodor. 
But we've, well, we, well, we've argued about that. I mean, or not argued about it, but like Are they superhumanly it. intelligent? Right. We're, that's something we've wondered aloud on the podcast before, and I don't know the answer to it. What would that look like, a it? superhumanly intelligent dragon that can't, like, that doesn't have, like, a... I mean, I would think it would look like the extinction of humanity. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why they'd keep us around. If and... only we had opposable thumbs. <laughs> right. We just have these flamethrowers. Yeah. Uh, you're right. You'd think so. Also, yeah. they are the uh, Viserion and uh, his... Uh, what's the other brother? Rhaegel? Uh, are they stupid dragons that they can't figure out how to get out of a chain or ambush anybody or do hmm, yeah work together like hey you Good point. you you belch fire at my iron chains until they're weak and then I'll, we'll 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 take turns yeah are they immune to each other's fire I don't know friendly don't fires either. turned off I don't either because you know the, they said their flames made flesh so hmm. uh, I don't know if that's literally true. Danny is immune to their fire. I can tell you that much. Show Danny does seem to be immune to her fire, which is another difference from the books right. through the show. Or unless Martin's been lying to us all. Uh, TJ from New York says, Is it possible that Kyburn is an agent for Varys? Book evidence. In the books, Varys is the one to kill Kevin and Pycelle so they can't keep stability in King's Landing. That and more is accomplished in the show by blowing up the Sept of Baelor. The High Sparrow is as much as a threat to Varys' plans as the stabilizing influence of Kevin, since the Faith Militant has rallied support of the people behind King Tommen. Now the people will flock to a leader promising to free them from Cersei's tyranny. Question about the books. Is Book Pycelle any more competent than in the show? If not, I'm not sure why Varys would want him dead, but we can explain this if Kyburn is his agent, since Pycelle is squarely opposed to Kyburn because he is a failed maester. I don't think the book Pycelle is any more competent. I always took that as Pycelle was up in Kevin's uh, chambers waiting for a audience and Varys, you know, couldn't have, you know, just, just killed him as a matter of expediency. Mm. And yeah. also compared to the other idiots that Cersei has put on, you know, the, the, the small council, like Pycelle's better than some of them, you know. Uh, there's a plot where I think she turned the Navy over to this uh, bastard, this dashing bastard, and I think he made off with every one of her ships. <laughs> That's, like, one of those very low-key plot points. But, like, literally everything that Cersei does in the books is a goddamn disaster. Yeah. Uh, in the show evidence, uh, show evidence, Kyburn fairly easily turns Varys' network of little birds. I find it unlikely that Varys would not go to great lengths to maintain his spy network after leaving King's Landing since he will need to know what's going on in the Westerosi capital to be of greatest use to Daenerys, and we know that he has the ability to run spy networks in hostile foreign cities. Why would Kyburn work for Varys? All I know about the man is that he loves his science experiments and his pursuit of forbidden knowledge. Whatever regime will allow him to continue this is the best one for him. Yes, Cersei has made him hand to the queen, but I haven't seen Kyburn as someone who particularly cares about holding titles or political power. To turn Kyburn, Varys would have to have to convince him that Cersei's days were numbered and that Daenerys would be bringing a new order to Westeros that won't be afraid to break with tradition and put them in charge of the maesters. Hmm. So I guess my first question there would be, when did Kyburn become an agent of when would you speculate that he became an agent of Varys? That's a good because, point because both in the books and the show he was kind of hanging around. In the books he was hang, he was like um, associated with the Brave Companions, uh, which was this marauding band of uh, marauders, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the ones that cut Jamie's hand off in the book. Um, and then ah. he, then he came in the service of Roose Bolton at Harrenhal. Uh, then he healed Jamie's hand, and that's how he you know, just. That's pretty much from there on. The book is is. And the show kind of of one. Well, my, so you're right. That's a long fucking con. 
and, and also I think there's some evidence that that says maybe Kyburn isn't, uh, and that's Robert the Strong. I think, or Robert, Sir Robert Strong, mm. whatever his fucking name yeah. is, the Mountain. They just call him Sir Gregor, Gregor, and I mean they they just <laughs> okay. don't even fucking in the show, right? He's just yeah. Gregor. Yet again, not even a hint of trying to hide any kind of identity here, right? Uh, so the the line I'm taking with that is having gregor there resurrected would actually help cersei out quite a bit and help to stabilize uh king's landing a little bit more than you might hypothesize varus would want so is kyburn working for with him from the start or is he working with him later on i think it's a pretty astute question because i to me that probably explodes the theory um Hmm. now it's not like it's unprecedented for the Double Ds to just make something happen because they need to make it happen, even though it doesn't okay. necessarily track clean from the beginning. Um, and, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe Varys did have this guy waiting in the wings, and he wheeled his way toward... But, like, if if not for Jamie getting kid, uh, being captured and have his hand cut off, how the hell does he ever get into the court of King's Landing? I mean, he feels very much like a... A high sparrow or even a little finger who is just keeps like, oh, there's an instance to pursue my interests. Uh-huh. And I, I do agree. I do agree with TJ here that Kyburn doesn't feel like he's motivated by power. It's more yeah. he has he just wants to be able to do his studies and his weird witchcraft science, his alchemy bullshit and whatever gets lets him do that in peace is something he's for. And I also agree with the sentiment that Varys would not be quick to let go of his spy network. Sure. Uh, and his his little birds there. So I can see where he's coming from for sure. I'm not 100% that it lines up. Now, uh, I but do I'm like not the theory, saying you're wrong I either. do like the theory that the little birds are all all essentially double agents for Varys. Yeah. And Kyburn doesn't even know that. And that they sent out a raven, hey, Kyburn wants us to do this thing. Is that cool? Or maybe, yeah, like, could the, could the children, could Varys school the children to give information to Kyburn to make him want to? I think Kyburn wanted to take the maester out anyway. So right, I don't think he was he threatening his be, job. Yeah, to be nudged in that direction. Uh-huh. Uh, so that really doesn't say one, one one thing or another about the the kids. But yeah, that always struck me as fishy that Varys just would relinquish his, yeah. his spy network. And certainly that's not the case in the books. Uh, Arnell A. said, This may be a bit of dry, a dry pie, but is there any chance that Jon is not a Targaryen at this point? The dark no. hair, skilled swordsman. Zero percent, and I can tell you Why? Why? HBO released an infographic with all of the yeah. parental connections to mm-hmm. a bunch of different characters. John was one of them. They've got a line from Rhaegar. They've got a line from Lyanna. She is his mother. Rhaegar is his father. Yeah. End of story. So he is going to go into the Sir Arthur Dane, some alternate parentages from John. I was going to mention okay. that exact same thing, that either HBO is lying to us with not just what they portray. I mean, because it's one thing to misdirect. Because they did right. They did drop his name, like, you know, to a whisper so we couldn't hear it. So there's still room for some maneuvering. But if you're going to do that, why come out with something extracurricular that confirms the data? Yeah. That, to me, would be not even a lying. That's not a, that goes beyond lying by omission. That's just lying. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> and I don't, I don't like that. So, yeah, we, we can let that be the, the quote-unquote last word. Okay. Uh, and again, that's the thing. Like, I've. Seen... How, how do you feel about that? Like, are you satisfied 
by that after a decade or more of of, what, of wondering and like theorizing by r plus l equals j like yeah is that something that you were hoping would happen yeah i mean that's the thing like i when i first heard it i'm like oh what a cool theory but then the more because you know there was a smattering of evidence in the first three books but mm-hmm. it just keeps kind of piling on and piling on and like the extra material and you you find out information even about you know the tourney at heron hall and and how things went down between Rhaegar and Lyanna, because you know Martins keep make makes these extra extra books, and you know the world of ice and fire. Like it seems like it's more and more solid, and people continually found like more and more hints that it would have felt dumb had it not worked out that way. So yeah. yes, okay. And I thought the way again the the way they they actually did the reveal with the swelling music and the cut from the baby to John, I thought was really effective i felt very very satisfied with the way that paid off okay um now i noticed that um preston jacobs has not been happy with this season yeah he's the one that is like promulgator of most of the alternative genealogies for john right and to me his criticism comes as a bit of sour grapes which is not quite the analogy that doesn't quite work i don't think but it it seems like i mean I always thought that he was a bullshitter, making sp- spinning some bullshit. And I didn't bear him any ill will because they were inventive and they made sense from a certain point of view. And also, there hadn't been a book for five years, so what else? <laughs> you know, you, right. you got most of the oxygen has been sucked out of the room. Um, but it does feel like it's more. Yeah, like, I, does he honestly think the double D's are just going rogue? Oh, I mean, is that what he's just he's dissatisfied he's because there these things that are being confirmed are not as grandiose as his ideas. And you you're you're coming I think okay. he's coming dangerously close for saying essentially I'm a better writer than than George R. R. Martin. Like my my right. jigsaw puzzle and my collage that I've cut in, you know, and my uh, my ransom note that I've cut and pasted from all these magazines is better than the source material. Mm-hmm. And I disagree. And, and that's this thing. Like I, but then again, I would, because like I went on record last year, in one of the spoiler podcasts, just essentially saying, boy, I was really excited about this as being an alternate theory. And then I looked into it and it just doesn't really have a, a, a leg to stand on. But yeah, if you're a Preston Jacobs, you know, acolyte and you're trying to forge your links and stand before his glass candle, you know, I got a couple of feedbacks from people that were kind of along those lines. That they were. It's funny because that one of them accused me of like being a double D supporter because I wasn't talking about these things, and I'm like, no, I don't talk about these things because I did talk about them and I think they were rubbish. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't surprise me that the actual unveiling of the, the 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 truth that i've accepted as kind of like you know gospel for all these years lines up with what these popular theories are and not the preston jacobs alternate theory yeah like i thought those were long shots at best but you know anyway if you were hoping that one of those was cooler like you know that the uh, mira and john were were uh, brother and sister or like any of those other uh, theories then maybe you're disappointed anyway uh let's see did i already go through here um oh yeah so we we already dismissed the the arthur dane theory uh marky said what i'm looking forward to in season seven and eight i have to imagine that one of the major plot lines going forward is there will be confrontations and negotiations between danny's crew and the starks the key figure here will likely be Tyrion. 
While Danny views Ned Stark as the villain, Tyrion had a pretty good, albeit short-lived, relationship with the Stark kids. Well, the boys, anyway. John and Bran are the kind of his bros because they have all dealt with societal scorn for their perceived shortcomings. And, well, let's just say, between him and Sansa, he is not the one who is entitled to feel aggrieved. Tyrion and the Starks were all victims of his family's machinations. Now that he is truly a trusted advisor of Danny, he would have the capital to convince her to ally with the Starks, not to fight them. And he can hope, or we can hope that he gives some classic lines like, Your Grace, why would you even want the North in your kingdom? All they have there is Northmen. Regardless of the specifics, this seems pretty clearly part of the plot going forward. And what's great is that it will all be in the execution, no crazy plot twists needed. Some of the best scenes Game of Thrones have ever done were was with Dinklage talking to people and being smart. And finally, in episode 9 and 10, he dropped the unique jokes and got back to being smart. <laughs> and that's all I'm looking forward to in the seasons to come. I I do look forward to him kind of smoothing over the, the, the bitterness between per, potentially the Starks and the Targaryens. Also, the fact think, that nominally him and Sansa are still husband and wife. Hmm. I don't know that that's true because they didn't consummate their marriage. And right. Ramsay graphically did. Sure. So, but <laughs> the definitely if Sansa were, if you were to ask Sansa huh. what you thought of Tyrion... Do you think she's got a positive or negative view of him? I think in light of recent events, she probably has a more positive view now than she did. Right. I mean, at, he never treated her with anything but respect. No, absolutely. Uh, um, and was clearly being forced to do this and is humiliated yeah. along the way. I think if, like, it depends on how much of a grudge she's holding against the Lannisters in general. Uh, she which would I be could forgiven see for a, being a, a blind. big grudge. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. But if she actually looks at it rationally, I think Tyrion has been one of the nicest people to her, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Now, whether uh, she says, well, he's all right for a Lannister, or whether, yeah. you know, just judging by all the people I've met, he's a decent human being, that's a good question. Uh, and it's it's also interesting. What what are John and Danny now? Are they cousins? Are they? Uh, Danny is his aunt, because that's his Rhaegar's aunt. brother. Okay. So She's if, Rhaegar's sister. Rhaegar is John's dad. So that would make them, yeah. So if they have the ability to prove that, I guess, to Danny, that might soften her view of John of of those Starks quite yeah. a bit. Man, that's a big if. Like it's an almost certain right. if, but it's because if no one but no one besides the Brand point? knows and Brand never yeah. is able to communicate that, then it's like a. I don't even know what you would call that. Like a private joke for the listener or for the reader. I guess it. Like like this kind of irony that like all this stuff is happening and it's amongst the relatives and yeah I think you call it wasted screen time uh, like right. with the Tower of Joy. Well, that's interesting because someone wrote in uh, or maybe I read this on Reddit, but like in the irony of the Tower of Joy is it becomes clear now that the King's Guard were there to guard Rhaegar's son from Robert Baratheon, Baratheon's wrath if he finds out finds out. So, like, if they'd have just been like, hey, we're guarding Rhaegar's son, and Ned's like, oh, well, I can help you with that, like, maybe no yeah. one dies. Right. But that's not how things went down. Um, nope. Because in the end, Ned was just as committed to saving him from the wrath of uh, Robert. And there's a lot of cool things that make sense. Like, why was Ned so outraged by the idea that Robert would hunt down Daenerys and kill her? Mm-hmm. Like, I gotta th- feel like a part of that is because of all the sacrifices he made to keep John safe. 
um, and maybe and, and and like that that Robert killing another child is somehow cheapening that, or like Ned takes yeah. it personal because that's his greatest fear that Robert would find out and want to execute John. That there's a lot of stuff that makes a lot of sense in hindsight. Now you know, obviously Ned's a good guy. I don't think he would advocate for the murder of quote unquote children uh-huh. anyway, but. Uh, William B says, I have a little theory here about Euron Greyjoy and his plans. Seems to me that many people just expect Danny Yar and company to destroy Euron and his fleet easily with dragons, which in practice has been admittedly easy for Danny so far. Although I would like to focus on some words Euron said to Balon before he killed him. He said something like, brother, I am the drowned god, the first storm and the last, and people pray when they see me. Could Euron have another key component in his plan? I think he might have harnessed the power to control his sigil. Yes, a kraken. I don't see Danny making it through the series with all three dragons, so this would be an avenue to possibly slow down a seemingly unbeatable Danny team. Hmm. What do you think? Do you think he's going to have a squid horn that he summons <laughs> Godzilla cartoon style from the depths, a kraken who's just going to pull a dragon underwater? Why not? That'd be a pretty awesome visual. I. It would be, <laughs> but there again, you've got the same kind of like, it's even worse yeah. than a dragon Where did that horn come because, from? yeah. We it, didn't know the Krakens even existed, let alone there were horns to control them. I mean, in the books, you've got the bones of Naga and the fact that they've got this ancient sea monster that they worshipped as a god, and, mm. and like that's, that's part of their history. But that's still not, like, a Kraken. Yeah. So, I... Essentially, all the problems I had the dragon horn multiply by the fact that we've seen no kind of sea monster hint at all in the, in the show. <laughs> and then you got that. Would be a cool, cool imagery, uh, cool image, though. Yeah. Christian, in your last podcast, a listener wrote in and remarked that the old lineages are about to die out, and Aaron mused if this could strengthen his theory of a parliamentary monarchy system. I disagree with the possible extinction of the old lineages, because one could easily paint the future of Westeros in which these lineages play a certain role. And at this point, Christian, you and I will be locked in debate. Uh, <laughs> all right. Before Aegon conquered six of the seven kingdoms and ruled as one king over them all, there were, well, seven different kingdoms. After defeating the White Walkers and reinstating the seven independent kingdoms uh, is a valid option, especially when all the remaining forces from the south, after Danny disposes of Cersei, uh, join the forces in the north to fight the White Walkers together. To defeat the White Walkers, all houses must join their forces and work together. So maybe the idea of cooperation endures... Um, after the battle against the White Walkers. Uh, in his opinion, the old lineages are far from dead. Just bullet points as an example. The Seven Kingdoms were the King of the North. He goes, well, you got enough Stark blood available between John, Sansa, and Arya, and Bran, if you want to throw that in the mix. I agree. The Starks, against all odds, have come through with the best claim for a future. That's Well, the non-Targaryen claim, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Princess of Dorne, there's enough Sand Snakes who are related to House Martell available, and legitimizing bastards wouldn't be a new idea either. I agree with that. They're in Camp Danny. If Camp, if Danny wants to legitimize any of those Sand Snakes as the rightful heir, mm-hmm. um, Dorne has a tradition of having princesses rule. That, not a problem. Uh, King of the Rock, or the Westlands. Tyrion is a Lannister, or at least half a Lannister, if the Targaryen rumors prove to be true, and he is with Danny, so he will not go down with Cersei. This could be some sort of poetic justice since he is the rightful heir to Castle Rock in the first place, with Jaime in the Kingsguard and Cersei being a woman wed to another king. Hmm. All right, I think Tyrion could, I mean, he could father children, right? Sure. No reason the, tar- the, the, the Lannister line has to end there. 
Uh, so far, so good. King of the Reach. Mace Tyrell left two sons. Loras' older brother, Willis, and Garland. Not sure if they're mentioned in the TV show, but in the uh, Tyrells planned to wed Willis to Sansa before Tywin beat them to it and wed Sansa to Tyrion. This plot is in a show, I guess. However, if Loras was Mace's only son, he would never have been allowed to take the white. So here's where hmm. the books versus the TV differ. In the books, there are alternate kids, and 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 Loras Ty- Tyrell does become one of the Kingsguard. In the show, that never happens. In fact, he's being wedded off to Cersei, and Sansa's being wedded off to Tyrion. So, mm-hmm. I and and show Olena absolutely establishes that her family's been destroyed, that they're like that, that her future's been robbed. If she had another son or another grandson, she would not be saying that. Yeah, I guess somebody on Twitter sent me some images of someone who they claim is a granddaughter of Olena. Yeah. Uh, images from the show. I don't know if it's true or not. I have no concept of what this Tyrell house looks like at this point. But Well, if it's just a picture and it's like someone trying to say this is someone from the book, uh-uh. And, and they got to be they got to be a named person, right? Uh, and again, if Lady Olena had a plan to keep her her house going, I think she would say that in her negotiations with her frenemies here, and she didn't. So, yeah, I, I think that Tyrells are kaput, and there's no way around it. And the show could be not the books, but yeah. the show for sure. Uh, King of the Islands and the Rivers. I would assume that it's the only king of the Iron. Uh, wait, I assume that it's only king of the Iron Islands in the future. So they'll revert back to that. You know, the Iron Islands are ruling the Riverlands. Asha would make for a good queen of uh, House Greyjoy, and Danny would surely like some more female regents in her realm. You I'm mean, fine with Yara. that. Yara, <laughs> yeah, Asha in the book, Yara in the show, right? Uh, King of the Mountains in the Vale. Since Littlefinger has his little fingers not only in the Vale but also as Lord Paramount of paramount of the trident and lord of the Her- of Harrenhal. the riverlands could go over to the vale but i don't see littlefinger as king i see sansa as queen she somehow wrestles the veil from littlefinger and her being half a tully should make for an additional claim to the riverlands the problem i have with that combining the veil and and the riverlands together is you know when we're talking about yara she asked danny uh, you know, Danny asked her to stop the raping and reaving, and Yara said, "Well, that's our way of life." And Danny's like, "No more." And she's like, "Okay." And we talked about like, "Okay, if you're going to do that, the reason they started raping and reaving in the first place is they live on rocks that barely jut out of the surface, of, and there's no real farmlands or anything like that. Mm-hmm. If you return the Riverlands to their ownership, well, there you go. Now they got a breadbasket to provide for their people. Yeah. If you give it to the Vale." What the hell? The Vale already has, has, has can take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I don't think Littlefinger survives on the side of angels on, the, on, on this I series. I can't imagine. He's killed too many good people to get away with this. I agree. If anything, I think uh, Sansa's going to do him in. She could. She certainly could. Uh, there might be a battle coming up between him and John, possibly as well. You know, he didn't seem all too happy about King in the North stuff. Uh, so the Stormlands uh, could have a Storm Queen instead. So what about Daenerys Stormborn? I mean, yeah, but she... So if you... Re- I don't know about... And this is his next his next paragraph. Because I'm far from convinced of this scenario, but it's an easy example for the importance of the old lineages and a scenario which proves that these lineages are not on the verge of extinction. 
The weakest points in the, in, in this uh, game is that Daenerys would get much less than she hoped to conquer, while the others get the same or more land and titles than they ever had or hoped to possess. On the other hand, Danny never expected or planned for the White Walkers, so there's that. Perhaps this changes her mind about ruling all kingdoms from atop the Iron Throne. That's the biggest question in my mind, is that Danny truly wants to break the real sh- rule, the, the wheel. God. Mm-hmm. If Danny wants to break the wheel, she has to have the authority to do so. And if she gives everyone their independence, then what the hell? There's no central gotcha. army. There's okay. no central government. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it would be interesting if the if like the Lord's Paramount became Paramount became some kind of elected office that you know. So it's like a you know essentially they're governors, and then she's like the president. Or she'd be the, I guess, the reigning monarch, and then you'd have a, a prime minister or whatnot. But I can't see her just giving these kingdoms their their rule back. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I I broadly agree with the sentiment there that these you know great houses are not on the verge of extinction necessarily. Right. Um, there are, I guess, when you lay it all out like that, yeah, sure, there are people who can succeed, people who can uh, continue those lines. I think the Lannisters have been honestly put one of the biggest dents in. The Starks have had a pretty big dent put in them. Yeah. I mean, there are still several children, but John isn't at this point a Stark. Not He's yet. more a Targaryen than And Bran's the only Stark. one that could potentially give male children, which is important in this world, and we don't know if he's paralyzed. Does that you know, I know that paralyzed people, uh, paraplegics in, in our world can give, can, and can have sex and, and father children, um, depending right. on how far down the spine they're injured. And also you've got, you can just like pull the sperm right out of their nut. And uh, I don't think you don't Aria, have that. You don't have that in Westeros. Yeah. And I don't think Arya is in any shape to be a, a lady of anything at this point. Sure. Uh, she's on a killing spree. Where she ends up, I don't know, but right now, I don't see it for Arya, so it really feels like Sansa is kind of the last hope in a lot of ways for the Stark house. Well, and the other thing, I think there's some interesting parallels in that the Age of Heroes, like the 8,000-year period where, um, you know, the White Walkers were defeated and you had all that Mm -hmm. stuff happen. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a lot of ancient, like the the Lannisters... um, took over from the Casterlies, like land the clever somehow stole their lands from him. Like the the myth says, and in the reach, uh, the Tyrells were the stewards of that land. And they got, I think during the, the war of conquest, um, they were the, 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 the people that, that ruled the lands originally were destroyed. And, uh, the King Aegon elevated them to Lord Paramount status. So, it's not the first time that a time of upheaval would just completely upend some of these powerful houses. Sure. So, like the Baratheons, who's left in the fucking Baratheon house? Well, and they're just an up jumped off start of the Targaryens in the first place. No one, as far right. as I, to answer your question, Gendry, he's out rowing somewhere. <laughs> okay. That is literally the last yeah. of the Baratheons that I'm aware of because per- Cersei purged all the other bastards. Right. Uh, none of those kids. I mean, those kids are all dead, and Lindley's none of them were Baratheons anyway. Shireen's dead. Yeah, Robert's dead. All of the Lannister so that, kids that weren't his kids anyway are dead. Like there are no more Baratheons except for Gendry. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's impossible that a lot of these houses are exterminated. The Tyrells, basically gone at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I don't, I don't know what what does the Martell house look like at this said, point? Well, they just have bastard, they're, they're they have gone bastard too, yeah. daughter children. Right. So we've already seen the extinction of a lot of them. Yep. Actually. Yep. And you could again, you could you could legitimize them and they've got different rules as far right. as how they roll sure. with uh, the patriarchy down in Dorne anyway, but yeah, there's definitely already I feel like some houses have probably gone back from the point of no return. Mhm. Or gotten to the point, rather. Uh, David McSee said, I just listened to your podcast. I want to talk a bit about Sam. Although I thought the library is neat to see and obviously visually stunning, I kept thinking to myself, why is this scene included in the finale? I'm sure you all already know this, but Kyburn was definitely wearing the hand of the kingpin while I was drowning, or by crowning, Cersei. This means King's Landing will be in need of a new maester in Season 7. Wouldn't it be great if Sam gets sent to fill this job opening? It would give him oh. an opportunity to gather intel as a mole until John and Danny arrive, and would also explain why the library scene was included in the finale. The potential for suspense next hmm. season would be off the charts, especially since the White Walker and Danny plots will be lacking all subtlety. The big flaw in your 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 plan here, David, is that there's no way in hell they would send. Let's say if if, if Sam is able to slam through his transfer you know his, his acolyte program into a maester yeah which is essentially at least as rigorous as a phd degree in a real world years there's no way that they would send a freshly minted maester to be the grand maester to the seven kingdoms right there's just no especially one way. who's taken the black yeah like he belongs a castle black now. right now it would be like i think one thing that's a, a, that's a possibility that might not even be interesting, because, again, I don't think that Sam's going to complete his training, personally, is that if he did, I don't know that it's a given that they would honor the Lord Commander's request to send them, hey, I'm, I want you to train this guy as a maester and then send him back to us. Well, it seemed like there like was the, some They line. would probably just send the maester to Castle Black, who would be the new maester for the Night's Watch, and then Sam would get trained and then sent somewhere else. It wasn't there, I mean... He shows up at this place, and it seemed like there was already a plan for you know this guy to take over. From no, they were they whatever. were talking about um, that uh, they. I, I think that they just didn't know that Jor was dead, and so was Ammon. Right, that's what I mean. Like there was a plan for someone to already take over. Probably. So like they have people in those locations ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I. So it seems like there is an assignment there. Yeah. Of like, Jorah's, or Gior's going to be the next maester up there. Oh, he's not? Okay, Sam's replacing well, him? Well, Gior is the, was the old bear. He was the Lord Commander. When right. When they were talking about him. Yeah, I, I know who that is. Oh, oh okay. Uh, but but he was in line to be the next maester, yeah? No, he was the Lord Commander. Are you sure you understand? Because... I they George the thought Lord they Commander. Had, okay maybe I didn't they looked at the record because he said he he looked up and saw that oh, this right. letter he was signed John by John Snow, Snow. Is, okay and, he, and he's like yes. what the, this is most irregular gotcha okay that makes much more sense yeah um but yeah I always thought that was weird in the books like yeah you can do that um and maybe they'll train Sam but why the hell would they you know are you just going to not have a maester until Sam right. completes his training I don't think this, that would sit well at the Citadel at all. Here's another because, option because having their maesters gives them power and influence and, and connection and sure. like uh, they're just not going to leave that position there. vacant for X amount of years. Uh, how about this? Castle Black doesn't exist by the time Sam's ready to become a maester. That's highly possible as well. Okay, <laughs> and therefore, like if he discovers some information and you know he hits a grand slam during his training, maybe they do send him to King's Landing as Grand Maester. I just don't like. 
Is there literally no other just, qualified? Like, if he lights this fucking glass candle and he has, like, all of this knowledge. No, he and goes, like, full on Harry Potter, the chosen one. I don't know what that well, reference I, I, is, but, but, you know, whatever. Sure, Luke if Skywalker, he's the Luke Skywalker of this situation, yeah, maybe they send him in. Could be, I suppose. If he, if he blows the up one. the Death Star. Yeah. But I don't feel like that that will be... If he makes the jump from building to building. Yeah, like, say, if he's instrumental in taking down the White Walkers, I, that almost feels like a post the Song of Ice and Fire plotline, you know? Going to King's Landing? Yeah, like, he's, yeah. okay, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe uh, you find out in the last few, because there was uh, someone floating that theory that maybe Sam's the narrator of the story. Right. So, like, that would be an interesting epilogue, that, like, Sam is an old man, and he's now become the Grand Maester, and, mm-hmm. you know, Danny's an old woman, and John's, and he's writing the, the last bits of record, and that would be kind of a cool... But yeah, like I just don't see him being Grand Maester under any kind of emergency circumstances. <laughs> that, like I said, you know, if he if so he ta- if he single handedly takes out the White Walkers or is instrumental, fine. But then that's again you're in epilogue territory, not like hey, and this is happening in the middle of book six kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, let's go on to Shield D. The battle with the White Walkers is coming, and I'm very excited to see it. However, before we get there, I want to see the Knights King and his buddies are more than just a bunch of orcs hell bent on killing all of humanity. Germ has developed his characters to show many shades of their personality. No one is either totally good nor evil. I would like to see that kind of complexity from the northern threat. If their purpose is just kill, that would be very disappointing. And with only 13 episodes left, I'm not sure if there's enough time to explore the Night's King story. Ned Stark, the ultimate good, versus the White Walkers, the ultimate bad. Because Ned Stark, I, can you say a bad thing about that guy? Mm. Is there anything bad to be said about Ned Stark? He unjustly judged Jamie Lannister. <laughs> he lied to his wife about Jon Snow. He lied to his wife about Jon Snow. <laughs> okay, fair. Uh, other than that, got himself killed. No, so, but what are you talking about? He's dead. How would I, the... I know, but she's... Is it? Is it she who wrote it? Yeah, Sheel? I don't know if that's a Sheel? Good. Okay. Can't tell. Can't gender your name. Sorry. Uh... She-El. It's a, it's a Hebrew word meaning she-god. So. Okay. Uh... <laughs> So they're coming up with, you know, this idea that no characters are black or white. Right. They're all gray. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying, oh, I see I'm trying to say Ned, Ned were their the characters. of good. Yeah. yeah. Rob, Rob, honestly, his... Bran? His, like, his worst thing is his. he let his personal... I guess Bran's kind of bad. That that Hodor thing wasn't great. It wasn't great. But but Rob iffy. Stark was, like, his, his biggest flaw was his personal nobility. Which I'm, I don't think is inherently bad no like he got he got a girl with child Mm -hmm. you know a side piece and screwed up his marriage alliance that's just being young dumb horny teenager that's not necessarily evil no i don't think there's anything evil about that i mean yeah especially if you're trying to dodge a fray wife (laughs) right any and all measures are authorized in that kind of emergency maneuver but i i do largely agree with that sentiment that the characters are more than just one shade yeah now, and that's the other thing is like a lot of people speculated, um, you know, the White Walkers have to be, there's got to be something to it. There's got to yeah. be something that men have screwed up and they're actually some kind of benevolent balancing force or something mm-hmm. because else, you know, one of the criticisms, Germ, um, put the Gert, Jert, the J.R.R. Tolkien, was that it's too black and white. You've got Sauron, who is just essentially a purely satanic wants power for its sake, is jealous of the one true God, is jealous of the beautiful creations of Eru, and he's just wanting to fuck shit up and watch the world burn. 
Uh, yeah. and orcs are the same way. They just are all in the suffering and destruction and, you know, they're twisted and evil versions made in a mockery of elves and men, like all this stuff. So if the White Walkers are just the evil baddies of the universe, I guess my question is, is establishing them as being weapons that are out of control by the children of the forest, is that already giving them enough shade? I think it is for me. I I said this the, much a few weeks ago, but uh-huh. now I've been thinking about it. And I'm like, that's that's a very mechanistic thing. It's not a very moral thing. Well, it says more about the people involved in their creation and less about the White Walkers themselves. Right. Uh, no, I do think there is an intelligence behind them, obviously. Yes. So that would imply, you know, motivations and, like, they don't necessarily have to be all bad. And I guess I would like it if there was something more to that, but I guess I also don't need it. Yeah. I feel like there's been enough with this idea that they are uh, kind of a, a creation that got out of hand. I do think some of the more outlandish fan theories, I wouldn't even say outlandish, but ones that people have been leaning towards, like the Night's King is an ancient Stark, or uh-huh. you know the fact that they're marching south because there's some ancient treaty that mankind is no longer, or be fa- they're pissed off because there's no longer a Stark in Winterfell. That does that feels like it's less and less likely now that we're only 13 episodes away from the, the end of the series. Yeah. Uh, Kara A said, before we saw that final loaded stare between Jamie and Cersei as she sat upon the Iron Throne, they each baldly told us what we need to know about their motivations and quality of their side of the love story as each confessed to their uh, prisoner. Jamie to Edmure uh, Tully says, the things we do for love. I love Cersei. You can laugh at that. If you want, sneer. It doesn't matter. She needs me. You don't matter to me. Your son doesn't matter to me. The people in the castle don't matter to me. Only Cersei. Cersei to Septa Anella. I do things because they feel good. I fuck my brother because it feels good to feel him inside me. Me thinks come seven, uh, come season seven that that's not going to be enough for the Valonqar. Uh, again, Valonqar, High Valyrian word meaning little brother. Uh, Jamie, fam- uh, not famously, Jamie, little known fact, uh, was born slightly after. He, he popped out to shoot seconds after Cersei did, mm-hmm. holding her heel. So that technically makes him a Valonqar. I, it's becoming, it seems to me it's becoming more and more likely that Jamie is going to be the one that does her in, is going to fulfill that part of the prophecy. Seems like it. Now, again, this part of the prophecy is not in the show. It's only a book-only thing, and it's such a cool part that if it was a big deal, I feel like it. they could have easily worked this Valonqar thing in. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, they explained Valor Morghulis to us over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could have Miss Sandy joking with Grey Worm and she's calling him Valonqar and Danny's like, what does that mean? Oh, it's just a word for little brother. That's how I view him. There are, yeah, a thousand Grey ways Worm they cries done because it. he really loves her. But I, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Why, why don't they, why don't they have the Valonqar part of the prophecy, Jim? It's another sentence. It's another fucking sentence. Because it's a red herring put in there by George Martin. I don't know. I really don't know. It seems like it's a valuable piece of information. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about it last week, I think, with yeah. this Valonqar thing, uh, how maybe it was too much information that they didn't want to give away um, but there was so many, for the show. There's so many little brothers at play that yeah. you could – But now, and now there's, like, less and less. Like, we just scratched Tommen off the list. He cannot beat a Valonqar yeah. unless the books go down radically different from the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but Jamie's still on the table. Tyrion's on the table. The Hound is on the table. But of all those, I feel like Jamie is the one that's actually going to have the most heft and weight. And yeah. and that that 
I also really liked what um, what Kara pointed out here because this is a lot closer to where things are in the books. Where Jamie is, you know, this literally is the only woman I've ever loved. Mm-hmm. Whereas Cersei, as soon as Jamie had to move because you know he was called out to war, as soon as he moved by her side, she was looking for other people to warm her bed, and not just other people. Like she was fucking. Kettlebacks and Lancels and Moon Boy, for all I know, like she was go, she was she was plowing her way through King's Landing because it that, feels good. It feels good. It feels good. It, it helped her cement some dynasties and or some some uh, not dynasties. It, it she wanted to secure power against Tyrion, and it kind of blew up in her face. But yeah, I no. definitely like you get in mind that maybe Cersei's literally the only person Jamie slept with, right? Uh, we didn't talk a ton. By the time we got to that scene in the recap, we were way into the podcast and uh-huh. just kind of moving on. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe now would be a good time to talk a little bit more about that look because it says so much. Okay. Um, not only does it say, uh, uh oh, Cersei's gone a little power mad, but it also tells you, Jamie. Jamie knows exactly what's happened here, right? Like, Tom, she doesn't get crowned unless Tommen is out of the picture. Yes. Uh her her pretty dour look I think says a lot about how that happened. Yeah. Uh and that maybe she caused it especially when combined with this burning sept like Well, not only that, but maybe it's so economically told here this part of the story. Well, and I, the other thing we didn't mention about like grist for the Cersei intended Tom to die is maybe he was dead to her as soon as she he announced that trial by combat's been banned. Maybe. Maybe. I still don't think it lines up with sending Gregor to keep him there, but oh, that's true. Yeah, that's the damn. That's the damn that's truth. The, that's the damning piece of information mm-hmm. for that theory. Yeah, but uh, yeah, maybe I, I just, I really maybe Cersei is really. It's a really dark interpretation. She wanted him to see. <laughs> yeah, like, this is what it takes to be Lannister's son, and you're either going to hate me forever and jump out the window, <laughs> or you're going to get on board. Maybe. Nah, I don't believe that myself. I'm okay. just trying to. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I feel like that they're really setting us up to, to be real hurt and betrayal for Jamie. And you throw in all yeah. again everything he lost personally, um, and all of his honor and his position and his his position as a knight, which is something that he had always wanted and looked up to those that he would served with to keep something like this from happening. And here, his lover. Not only doesn't love him that much, but is is pulling this shit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny said, I'd like to hear your take on the release of the next book. I was wondering if maybe Germ is holding off publishing as a stylistic choice. Oh, God. <laughs> Along the lines uh, that, except for a few outliers, all book readers are show watchers, but not all show watchers are book readers. Possibly the best medium to deliver mm-hmm. the story and keep the integrity of its twist is the medium that everyone subscribes to, i.e. television. Also, with the lack of book canon, people are going crazy with theories. All good for the publicity of the book and the TV show. Or it just is what it is. A writer enjoying the whooshing sounds deadlines make as they fly by their heads. I (laughs) feel like the latter. I feel like George is a guy who likes life and is living large now. And that has led to a direct decline in his productivity. Sure. I could see that. He's got the money and time and influence to indulge in his interests and kind of flex a little bit of political power in the literary world. And he's doing that uh, instead of sitting in by a a keyboard or a word processor and and processing words. Yeah. Because the other is like, 
I mean, you're right. Like, if you want to pervert, preserve the maximum amount of spoilers and surprise, you do the TV show first and the books. Because the book audience is a tenth, if not a hundredth, of the show audience. And they have proven in the past more than willing to fuck shit up. Whereas sure. the TV, everyone, you know, if you don't want to be spoiled, then sit down at 9 p.m. your time zone and fucking watch Game of Thrones. That's it. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Whereas the book, you have to buy it day one and read it before anybody else does. And that's the only way it can be spoiler free. Mm-hmm. So I, there is a lot of merit to that, but man, do you, do you think he has any pride as a creator? I, I have no room to speculate here. Mm. Like, I have no insight that anyone else had, like, doesn't have. So yeah. you're asking, you're barking up the wrong tree here. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It, it seems hard for me to believe that he would consciously ink this deal with the think of, oh, maybe it'll overtake me and then I don't have to worry about spoilers for TV no more. Like I, 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 the one thing I can say about it is, if it were me mm-hmm. and I were in his position, I would be disappointed in myself. Yes, honestly, for not for, for having kind of made a pact with the viewers, um, and or rather the book readers, that I'm going to get this out for you before the show comes along and outdoes me, mm-hmm. and then not meeting, not living up to that. Yeah, uh, I personally would be disappointed in myself. Yeah. Yeah, I and I feel like that's probably just judging from the tenor of his web posts and kind of his demeanor in public interviews. It just does seem like it's pretty a heavy toll on him. I don't think he would do it just for, as you say, stylistic purposes. But hmm. who knows what lurks in the minds of Germs? Uh, Elisa W says, "Hey guys, really enjoying your podcast. You keep mentioning Daenerys marrying someone and having children, but didn't she become sterile after having that baby in season one?" Didn't that old Dothraki lady say that she wouldn't be able to have any more children, or did something else happen where she'll be able to again? All right, so you're right. There is this statement that she made about having children, where she said that you, you know, your your cow will return and your womb will quicken when the sun sets, rises in the west and sets in the east. When the mountains, uh, when the seas uh, blow, blow away, and the mountains are are toppled, etc. Uh, now, in the books, there's a lot of people that are seeing some things that are indicating maybe this is coming true. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, the mountain toppled, uh, the seas blow, uh, uh, blowing away uh, when Danny goes and uh, rides off uh, from the great pit, the great fighting pit uh, to the Dothraki Sea that it's dying because of the winter. Uh, so that's a sea that's drying up. And the sun uh, rising in the, the west and setting the east could represent the Quentin Martell uh, marriage proposal that was sent from Dorne, which is in the west. And it comes over to Essos, or I'm sorry, yeah, in the west, and it, and it traveled east and then set, literally set on fire, literally was, was ended. Um, and the, all those conditions were fulfilled of this prophecy slash curse. Um, and then indeed there's a lot of stuff in when, when Danny's out in the wilderness where she is bleeding again, she's gotten her period back, um, Hmm. indicating that maybe this is actually not a, just a clever poetic way of saying never bitch. It's never going to happen to where is an unwitting prophecy. Uh, very few of that stuff makes it in the show. Like Quentin, not there. The, you know, the mountain did kind of topple. Uh, but they didn't make anything about the Dothraki Sea blowing away, and they established a Dothraki Sea as a thing in the first season. So, how uh, would you do that if if you were tasked with uh, showing that those that prophecy had been coming true over the course of six seasons? 
How would you do that in the show? Well, the mountain falling, I think that's pretty much on the face of it. The sun. Do you do it just with the previously on and then move on from there? Well, I wouldn't even do previously on. I just put this stuff in a show. Like I would have, um, uh, maybe you instead of having Varys come to Dorne, maybe what happens is in the previous season you just speed up the Dorne thing to where Elaria kills off Doran and then sails us. You show her sailing a ship from, and if you really wanted to make the the point, you could have the sunset behind her and she's sailing east and she's got the big Dornish sun spear on her sail. And you would have Danny when she gets to Dothraki Sea, it's all brown, and like she could maybe even say it's chilly and winter's coming or something. That enough to where people could start getting those book speculations. But now it's like I feel like it's too late. That's yeah. I mean, that's what I was wondering. Like, uh, I, I guess you could do it with a Cersei esque sort of prophecy, right? Uh, prophecy flashback. You could, but I mean, they've already, I mean, da- the, the witch did say as much to Danny. And I, the other thing is, I guess yeah. as a show watcher, you, uh, maybe you don't put credence in that because she did have children, her dragon children. Uh, maybe that's all the children. I don't know. Like I, Tyrion mentioned that he loved that, that she will be loved again. And certainly part of the many prophecies that Danny was, was propounded with in the house of the undying was that she would have, she would be the bride to several grooms. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's no, a dragon is not going to carry on your Your legacy, your lineage. So like as much as people say, Oh, the, the dragons are her children. Well, fine. But when it comes to lineage, that doesn't matter. How smart are these dragons? Maybe they're going to sit on the iron throne. Philosopher King dragon. Do dragons have a human horn? (laughs) (laughs) Can they blow a horn and take control of humans? Uh. Uh well the male half of the species has a horn that they're easily controlled by uh, and if you blow it they'll do pretty much anything you want <laughs> so okay. there's that if you want to go I think you might be mixing metaphors here <laughs> or something uh okay Dan from Manchester has the final question for this final spoiler edition separate spoiler cast uh, I was wondering what Jim will do if Winds of Winter comes out during the off season. If the book has plot developments ahead of the season six, will Jim participate in a spoiler podcast next year, or will you abstain, or will you perhaps read the book? No, I'm I'm in on the spoiler cast now. I feel so. like it's the Rubicon has been crossed. You can't yeah. you can't unlearn what you've learned. I learned a lot about stuff that hadn't happened yet uh, yeah. in the show from sitting in on the spoiler cast early on in this season. Honestly, so I don't think I would avoid spoilers anymore. The problem, the only problem is if if the book does come out in the off season. Um, one of the fun things was I was able to entertain viewer theories about stuff that I had knowledge of, but you didn't, and just you know roll with the mild interesting, and you could actually comment on, you know, I could recuse myself and just let you think of what that theory, you know, how that theory sounds to yeah. you. Um, but you know, I don't think we can really ever do that again. No. I, I think, yeah, it, it has fundamentally changed our coverage, me being on the spoiler cast. Yeah. And I think going forward, we will keep it as is. Yeah. Um, so you, would you have interest in, like, doing picking up an audio book? Would you? No. How would you? No, or, I'd be so Would lost, you just I want mean, me to, like, feed you like a baby bird and, like, just regurgitate in your mouth the the books? Or Yeah, I mean, I think we do exactly what we did this season like as the as the things come up and are necessary to talk about you can recap you know what'd be fun is just do a standalone podcast like okay it's been a week aaron's finished a book he's now going to tell 
and a two-hour podcast, the events of the book, the gym. Okay. And just speculate right. on what that will mean for the show and how things are different, what things are like that. That, could be I, cool. that would be kind of okay. cool. That'd yeah. be really cool. Because it'll take. I mean, obviously there'll be some things like I would be surprised if we don't get confirmation of the R plus L equals J and I'd be surprised if John doesn't come back to life and take over Winterfell and, but you know, to really get the, the real hardcore spoiler tinfoil stuff ginning up, that might take a while. That might take Mm -hmm. a couple months. And in fact, that's the other thing is even if a book comes out, how many more spoiler, how many more tinfoil theories can you have this close to the end? Yeah, like maybe a few, but once you get a dream of spring and like assuming that's the final book, there is no more tinfoil. It's yeah. done. There's no more story. Yeah, the the, I mean, the spoiler cast so, is only going to last one more season, right? If that like season eight is not going to have like, one. <laughs> honestly, I'm thinking that this might be the last year for the spoiler podcast because there's only the one fucking thing from the Citadel again, unless the Winds of Winter comes out. Yeah. Winds of Winter comes out, Katie barred the door. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't come out, then I don't, yeah. I think we might have a spoiler section of the main podcast where we just talk about like, you know, what's going on with Sam and a Citadel and oh, look, there's a uh, cross dress and sand snake in the background. And right. does that uh, acolyte have a little bit too much eyeshadow? I don't know. Um, <laughs> there's, there'll be that kind of stuff, but uh, this, this yeah. might be the end of an era. Like there was no, I had some suggestions of tinfoil I could have done, but nothing like, you know, like uh, to me, something's got to be as interesting or funny or as the stuff that we've done before. And we've done like 20 of these things. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, five years out from the last book, the tinfoil that's coming out now is more and more kind of desperate and reaching. Yeah. So I think that's a cool idea, though, uh, kind of summing up parts of the book and doing yeah like i don't know chapter by chapter but maybe no. like storyline i literally story think line. just like a, just a conversation like essentially what we would have if we weren't recording a podcast where i just tell you what happened and oh i just you know right but i'd like to make i don't know if you want to do that as a one shot or if you'd rather do it over the course of uh, several weeks oh and do like yeah. take one storyline like let's discuss aria this this episode mm. or let's discuss uh sansa and john yeah i mean that would be a good way because you could all, all the books are subtitled. The chapters of the books are subtitled with their POV, right? Like it's Arya. So you do like four chapters. Yeah, it's like so there. And I think you probably like Arya might be meaty enough, but there's a lot of POVs. Like maybe there's a Melisandre POV because she had two chapters, I think, for the first time in dance. Okay. Um, like if Melisandre has two chapters, like well, combine it with a couple maybe you of need other like the, it's kind of like in Gilligan's Island where you had the Skipper and Gilligan. And then, oh yeah, you and got, Ginger too. Then, then you got to and the re- like the yeah. first couple seasons they went through everybody, yeah, and the professor and Marianne and all them. But then, but then it's like it was essentially the main three or four stars, and then and the rest. <laughs> so like, yeah, we can have like the Arya, yeah. the John, the Sansa, and then the rest. Like you know, once you peter out the rest, that'd be cool. Yeah, but yeah, I'm. I mean. That's something we could do in a spoiler section if you want to do for this Tuesday wrap-up podcast. If you want to talk about what you're hoping to see in the Winds of Winter. Because my number one thing at this point, now that we've had this season, is what's going on with Brienne. What is her arc going to be? 
Uh, I think that's actually the thing I'm most number one interested in. If you just eliminate, like, obviously how the War of the White Walkers goes and all that stuff. like Who becomes the leader of Westeros. Yeah, like, 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 what is the deal? What is the deal with Brienne? Yeah. Like, what, what and, and how, what, how is her arc with Jamie going to conclude? And I don't, you know, I'm a big shipper of them. I don't need that to happen, but they do have unfinished business. In the book, it's a lot more dark and menacing. And, you know... If, if we mm-hmm. don't get a book and we get next year, I, I have a feeling that there's going to be some bad stuff between her and Arya and Melisandre, and it's going to pit them at odds with Jamie. So, anyway, uh, that's it. That's for Final Spoiler Edition. Uh, if you've got some more thoughts you want to send in for a small spoiler writer that we'll be putting on at the end of next week's uh, uh, main wrap-up podcast, you can still send it in to GameOfThrones.BaldMove.com and on forums, forums.BaldMove.com. Uh, until then, we'll see you later. Later.